Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday of Floyd Reese. Delaney Walker is out this Sunday against Tampa Bay, as is Adoree Jackson, which usually they release who's out, and it's usually not someone that important, so we usually kind of gloss over it. Like Chris Milton and Sharif Fench are out. Not worth talking about on Jared and the GM. Not that those guys aren't probably nice people or whatever, but definitely not worth talking about on the show. Delaney Walker, I'm not sure how big of a loss that is because I'm not sure what Delaney has been giving the team right now. A Dory Jackson is a loss, but at least you can kind of feel good about the fact that you've got Logan Ryan still and Malcolm Butler. So, Floyd, we start with those two guys. Which of those two guys is more important uh, in terms of what the Titans are going to miss in this game against Tampa Bay? And then we'll get to Delaney as well. What do you what do you think of those two being out? Well, I mean, I think you're right. We, uh, You know, a Dory really hasn't had what we were hoping from him so far. You know, Tampa Bay has not been a great three-receiver team. They've got two receivers that are just outstanding. Finding a third guy that they really, really feel good about seems to me to be a little bit of an issue. So even though he may not be in, you know, I assume Sims will be the guy that'll that'll come in and play for him, then, you know, you should be okay. Delaney's going to be harder to replace, but that being said, I mean, what Janu's done in the last, you know, couple of shots, if if Janu just makes his plays, which he can do, and he can be very, very effective, and not have the negative plays, hmm. you know, not screw something up, he'd be fine. You know, you'd be you'd be fine with it. But it seems like he goes out and makes a great play and then, you know, on a on a second ten gets a holding penalty and now you're sitting there you know second twenty five, so um, he he's just got to eliminate all of those kinds of negative plays and if he does that I think he'll be fine. It is so frustrating to watch Johnny Smith run like a greyhound down the field and he's so big that when he gets the ball like he'll run with it and he'll take it deep. I mean what is it the last two games John who's caught a little pass and run thirty yards each time with the football up the field and, and got a huge gain both times. And, and good runs. Oh, great runs after the catch. And, and these linebackers, either the linebacker's not big enough or he's not uh, fast enough. Like, he can't keep up with him if he's big enough to tackle him or he's not big enough to tackle him in order he keeps up with him. And then John who falls forward for, like, another seven yards. And they're great. And then just like your point, they'll run a play and it'll holding number 81 of the offense, and you look back at it, you're like, Johnu, you weren't even part of where the run was. You did not need to hold that guy, uh, which, is, which is really frustrating. I mean, to me, Adoree plays a lot, so Adoree will probably be the bigger miss than Delaney. I don't know how I feel about Delaney right now. Like, I think he probably is still hurt from the injury, not just, you know, whatever injury has been plaguing him this year, but last year's injury... I think it's still an issue with him because he's never looked like the old Delaney uh, at the same – he's never looked like the that, that Delaney that he was before he got hurt at Miami two years ago. And that's why I'm looking at this game without Delaney, and I'm thinking last year when Delaney went down, I literally threw my hands up and thought, how is this team going to move the football? Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I went to a banquet with Delaney, and Delaney told me he was going to be just fine. I did. I did a Q&A with Delaney for Pepsi. 
and okay. at the Q and A. And what did the old coach tell you? At which I hosted the Q and A with Delaney. Thirty six, thirty five. Tearing ankle up may never be the same. But do you think that he is never the same, or do you think that? Maybe he rushed back too soon, and maybe they need to shut him down for a couple of weeks. I mean, I think this is a fair question to ask. You know, is Delaney done being the old Delaney? Yeah, I mean, it's it's tough coming back from those things now, I'm telling you. And I don't care who you are. But when you, you know, you do things as athletic as Delaney used to do them, you know, where you've got to be able to cut and you've got to be able to jump and you've got to be able to twist and turn and do all that. Um, you know, I mean, since the beginning of the season, since the preseason, this season started, I've, I saw one catch in one game where I thought, ah, he's back. That's Delaney. And, uh, and since then it's all been, you know, not, not quite the same. I don't even know what catch you're talking about. I mean, maybe it was one of the ones in the Patriots practice. Cause I think he played. No, it was a game. It was a game like three three games ago. Or Colts so. game maybe was it towards maybe, the end and, of the Colts game? And it was to, he was throwing the ball was thrown to the right. He caught it, turned up field, ran with it, was knocked out of bounds. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a special play, but he at least ran and caught it and took the hit like like the old Delaney. And ever since then, I mean, he drops the ball against Buffalo. He doesn't play, doesn't run in any of these games at the same level that he's run before. But he told me he was going to be okay. Oh, stop it. So, so do you, you are you not believing him? <laughs> I, I don't. Ah. I don't. I, uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> I believe him for two reasons. Number one. He told me he believed, and I'll believe right there with him because that is what a good co-host should do. Okay. And number two, let me ask you. You know, in case in case they want me to host more things with Delaney in the future, let me ask you another question. To host him, (laughs) does he look like he's back to the same old Delaney? No. Okay. I am worried. I am worried that he. I'm worried that that the the days of him being the go-to guy. Are, are over, and it reminds me of the 2003 season, the year that Steve McNair won the MVP, which was Frank Wycheck's last year. And in that, Frank Wycheck started the year as the number one tight end, but then he I probably, you know, honestly, it's probably a concussion or two. And he went out there and got hurt. And I remember in the playoffs, he caught a couple of big passes. And during those playoff games, the, the guys calling the games we're like, hey, that's a big catch for Frank Wycheck, who's already said he's going to retire at the end of the year and has been passed up by Aaron Kinney as the number one receiver, but still a guy Steve McNair trusts. And I feel like that is where Delaney is trending to, where in the middle and maybe into this year we'll be saying, hey, they do know that Delaney, you know, Delaney will catch a big one or two this season, but that Johnu will probably pass him up this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I keep hoping Delaney's going to work his way back. You know? I hope so, too. But. Because if you get the old Delaney back with what Brown and Davis have shown that they're capable of doing at times, this Titans offense, if they don't get sacked every play, is really dynamic. Yeah. And that's and, – and no offense to Janu, but you talk about if Janu can just cut out 
the 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 dumb mistakes, the holding penalties, the uh, you know offensive pass interference penalties, the lining up in the wrong spot, the not being set, all of those things that Johnu that we know Johnu does very well. Uh, if he were to cut that out, I mean, we've had four years of this, and Johnu keeps doing it. So wh- I don't know why. I would think that all of a sudden in the middle of year four, Johnny Smith's going to learn how to pass protect. Yeah, but but you're right. I mean, there's just no excuse for it. And and the truth is, I mean, he will never be the player he wants to be it unless he can cut that out. From a physical standpoint, do you think that he's got – I mean, what he shows on some of those runs are that he can be a really, really, really good tight end, but I don't see – you know, I don't see the consistency there – even even from that. Well, yeah, but he's never been used with consistency, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if he were the starter and in there all the time and wasn't making mistakes, maybe you could use him that way. Um, but, you know, not now. So, Corey Curtis from News 2 is going to join us, but he said last week on the show, I asked him, I said, you know, do they have to beat the Chargers to keep any hope of making the playoffs. And Floyd, do you remember what Corey said? I don't. He said he didn't think this team had any chance of making the playoffs, which, of course, I refuted because I believe the Titans, I believed last week they had a chance to make the playoffs, although not a great chance. And I think they have a better chance now that they won the last game. But I do think that they need to win this game if they want to make the playoffs as well. I wonder if Corey has changed his tune. What does your gut tell you? Do you think Corey will stand by what he said last week of, hey, this team's not going to make the playoffs? Or do you think Corey will will have opened his eyes from last week's win over the bum chargers and think that they may be capable of making the playoffs? I mean, I think he will say if they get to four and four, then, you know, I'm changing my mind. Well, we will ask him coming up next. Yes. Jared and the GM, we're live from the wholesaling studio powered by RumbleOn.com. It's a Fireball Hot Take Friday here on ESPN 1025 The Game. And also, I just want everybody out there to know that I still believe in in Delaney. Uh, And I I hope, I hope that we will see the old Delaney Walker this season. There's not going to be any more MC gigs, so you may as well forget all that. Well, I'm just throwing that out there. Uh, Jerry yeah. the GM, Corey Curtis, News 2 next. His thoughts on that, plus the Bucks game. It's ESPN 102.5, the game. Fireball Hot Take Friday, Jared and the GM. Of course, the Jared and the GM, Chris Sanders pregame show, the pregame show. Going to be live from the George Jones 930, finally. We're back at 9.30 on Sunday. So last week, Floyd, Corey Curtis from News 2 came on a Fireball Hot Take Friday, and I asked him, hey, do they need to beat the Chargers in order to maybe make the playoffs? And Corey said, this team's not making the playoffs. And I thought to myself, what? And so I still believe the Titans have a chance to make the playoffs. I believed it last week. Now, they had to win last week, and I think they probably have to win this week in order to make the playoffs. Corey Curtis from News 2 joins us now. Corey, do you stand by where you were last week in your opinion that the Titans still do not have a chance to make the playoffs, and if so, why? Well, I mean, they look, they're games on the schedule. They have a chance to make the playoffs. Do I think that they're going to win enough to get there? No, I still don't. And it's, and it's I mean, it's simple. It's math. they got to get to 10. They've got Indianapolis in Indy. They've got the Saints the Chiefs, and two with the Texans, and they got to win three of those. Which three are you taking? 
So I would make the claim that Ryan Tannehill changes the whole equation because the Titans' defense is good enough to beat any of those teams. And, I, I, I mean, Floyd said this the other day, and I thought it was well said, that is, you know, if Tannehill gives you what he gave you Sunday with this defense, how good does that make you? I mean, they could be a pretty good team. But, again, you're still talking about winning seven out of nine. And you're asking me, do I think that they will do that? They can, but seven out of nine is a lot. And to say that they will, I can't do that. Not for a team that's three and four. Corey, we've been talking about uh, Delaney, and Delaney's out, as we know. You know, I think, yeah. again, with with the ankle, you know, the ankle injury before. Is is this a bad sign for Delaney? Is, the, is Janu slowly but surely working his way into that role? Well, I think what's encouraging for Janu is, you know, last year he he kind of looked like a scared pup out there when the season started and then worked his way into it towards the end of the year before he got hurt. Um, and he seems to be playing with a lot of confidence right now, which is which is very good for this football team because there's a reason they drafted him. He's big, strong, he's athletic, and he can run with the football, which we've seen. I think he has more 20-yard catches than, than anyone on the team uh, at this point. He's averaging 19 yards per catch, so that's good. Uh, you know, with Delaney... You know, it's it's the same ankle that he had surgery on, and he dinged it up again uh, in Denver. And, you know, I, I, listen, I don't know. I'm 48 years old. I know this. I don't recover as quickly as I used to. <laughs> and he's 35 years old. And I'm, I'm guessing, you know, injuries take a little bit longer and are a little, a little bit tougher. You know, these people that are suggesting that they're not playing him because they're trading him, I, 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 I have a hard time believing that. I have a hard time seeing Delaney fake an injury um number one um but you know and and then the you know so i've had other people ask me you know he just doesn't seem to be that into it this year listen <laughs> that guy's into it if he can be out there he wants to prove to everyone he's still the man he's just hurting right now and is it a good sign no it's not because we all know how bad that injury was last year but again he's not a guy i will write off because we saw him in camp we saw him week one when he scored two touchdowns Looked okay. Then he dinged up his knee, and now his ankle. You know, he's, he's got to get healthy, and he's got to stay healthy. The good news is for them that they do have some other guys who can play the position now, so you don't have to rush him out there. That's the whole point of having depth, as far as I'm concerned. How would you describe Jameis Winston? I mean, we see him, <laughs> you know, with – I mean, his passer rating is number three in the league – Ton of mm-hmm. touchdowns, has scored sixty points against the Rams, and yet we've seen him go the other way in in London with five interceptions. Yeah, I mean, does does immature work? I mean, because you know, he just he. I, I think he has a hard time handling, you know, anything. He's obviously really talented. You know, he can throw the ball. He's athletic, um, but but he makes mistakes, and I think. You know, we all talked about judgment, you know, coming out of college because he'd made so many decisions where you questioned his judgment. Well, you see it on the field as too. You know, he kind of lacks judgment at the time. He, he lacks the discipline, the maturity that goes with the position, you know, that you have to be, you know, hardcore with that. You know, you could say, you know, Brett Favre took chances. Well, he's not Brett Favre. Right. And he does things that leave you scratching your head sometimes. You know, just like the, the the wobbly pass back across his body. You're like, well, well what's he doing? Um, you know, and 
you know, he's with Bruce Arians now, and I said, if, if anybody can get something out of Jameis Winston, it's going to be Bruce Arians. He's a good football coach. So them putting up points doesn't surprise me a lot because Bruce Arians knows what he's doing. You know, they just have to figure out, can they, can they coach that stuff out of them? And I don't know because I think Jameis is what he is, and I think he's just kind of an immature person that lacks solid judgment 100% of the time. Corey Curtis, News 2, is our guest here on the program. If you next year, if you were a GM of a team that didn't have a quarterback and you had to pick between Marcus or Jameis to be your starting quarterback, who would you pick? Oh, gosh. I, I guess that depends on who my coaches were and what I had around me that would have something to do with it. But I always go for the person before I go for the player. So I, I would I would take Marcus, but, you know, that that would – you know, have to depend on what I had to work with and work with him with because he's going to take some repair. I want to know what Floyd thinks about that line. I go with the person over the player. Yeah, I'm I'm all for that. I mean, I that's just, that's all part of the locker room stuff, you know. It's part so of the position. It, it's a fireball hot take Friday, Corey Curtis. What is your hot take on this fireball hot take Friday this week? I love the narrative. You know, everyone always has the narrative week one Marcus throws for three touchdowns and a whole bunch of yards against the Browns and what did everybody say well he really didn't do anything he just got a lot of yards after catch this last week Tannehill gets a ton of yards after the catch well he was great he put the ball where everybody could go and get yards after the catch you know Marcus great leader as soon as Marcus gets benched well his leadership qualities are questionable you know what it comes down to it comes down to making plays and when you make plays, nothing is questioned. And when you, don't, when you don't make the plays, everybody wants to question everything. The narrative always seems to change to fit uh, people's arguments with, with situations. And I think those are good examples of where we're at now. Marcus was a decent quarterback who made plays and stopped making plays. Didn't make him a better leader or a worse leader. Didn't make, him, you know, didn't make yards after catch more or less important. Um, it's just what happened. Thank you, for, thank you for that, Corey Curtis. As always, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Corey. Enjoy the game, and if they don't beat the Bucks, then you guys can all tell me they're not making the playoffs. <laughs> oh, they're not making the playoffs if they don't beat the Bucks. Corey they Curtis, beat the Bucks. They, they've got to beat the Bucks. which, by the way, I, I don't think is a for sure thing by any stretch of the imagination. Corey Curtis News 2, as always, on the show. The Titans are technically favored in this game by two and a half points, but the ESPN FPI Floyd gives the edge to Tampa like 52%. What is that? I don't, I don't know where they come up with this stuff. Oh. It's just at the bottom of the screen on the TV. Football power index or something like that. Some Something they come up with. Hmm. But but it like they always do this where like they'll be, there will be like a college game on and they'll be like, here's Georgia's percent chance to win out. And it'll show like what percent chance they have in each game. And I, for the life of me, don't know where they come up with that number. <laughs> Like I've I've never figured that out. Like I'm just not smart enough. I think to oh, I'm to figure you. that stuff out. Uh, I'm with you. I still believe that sports is not decided by a computer screen. I still think that you have to play sports. Uh, to me, ask the ask the Astros, who are a team that's all about the analytics and all about the computer screen and all about what do the numbers say. And the Nationals are like, yeah, we just drafted and signed the best players. Let's put them out there. And right now, the Astros are losing to the Nationals. What did you think about Corey Curtis's uh, kind of end take there when he talked about the narrative changing around Mariota and Mariota's leadership skills? I almost disagree with him from this standpoint. 
and it is that I believe at the end of the day that a lot of people kind of protected Marcus or wanted Marcus to be something that maybe he wasn't, which we had questioned the whole time. Was he a vocal enough leader? Would he hold guys accountable? All of those things. And then Rashard Matthews, again, make that of what you want to, because a lot of people have said, well, I don't trust what the quitter says. Well, Rashard Matthews, you know, doesn't have any dog in the fight. Rashard Matthews says, hey, Tannehill's going to hold guys accountable. Marcus, you know, wasn't that vocal leader. So I don't think the narrative changed. I just think that people are more open about it now that Mariota's not the quarterback. Well, and I think, you know what, if you just listen to Marcus, you're around Marcus, you watch Marcus, you, I mean, uh, it's easy to see him not being a vocal leader. You know, he's not a vocal guy at any point in time. He's not demonstrative. He's not an extrovert. And and consequently, you know, I'm sure it's it's not more difficult for him. It's just not his nature. You know, he wants to do it another way. He wants to do it, you know, by patting you on the butt. And, and you know, that'll get you so far. Um, but I think just because uh, Tannehill's more uh, outward – you know, he's more likely to voice his opinion. I, I could see he's much more likely to yell, for example, than Marcus would ever be. And and I, I've never seen him yell, but just the little bit I'm around him. I mean, if he got really hot, I imagine he, he could go off. So um, so I just see that as being it's a different way, you know, and it's sometimes I mean, McNair wasn't loud, but McNair had a way. Yeah, it never came out about McNair. You know, people aren't sure how to feel about such and such, about his leadership. But not to, you know, we questioned it about Marcus the whole time, and then we saw what we saw. Floyd the Predators played their 10th game of the season. What does that mean? Uh, oh, Hal uh, Gill's 10-game whatever. Yeah, Hal yeah. says can't judge a team until 10 games. Well, 10 games have been played, so let's judge them. Let's judge the Predators. We will do that coming up next. Jared of the GM right here on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. Let me tell you about Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Everybody here knows how much I love Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. There is nothing better than when someone pours you an ice-cold Fireball shot, and you got to take that shot, and it goes down so smooth. It tastes so great. That's why I love Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Tons to celebrate, tons to think about, and the way to celebrate it is, of course, with Fireball. That's Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Ignite the night. Please do responsibly. Be 21 years or older to enjoy. That's Fireball Cinnamon Whiskey. Ignite the night. Please do it responsibly. Jared and the GM. It's ESPN 1025. The game. Here is Suter towards Zucker. Stopped at the line by Eckholm. Sending in Colton Sissons. Sissons, the backhander, he scores! Colton Sissons starts the traffic jam in front of Wendy's. Did anything stick out to you over the last week or so? No, not really. Um, you know, it's nice to get the points. I mean, that's, that's, I think that's important. You're at home here. You want to get points. You want to be successful. Um, so that's a positive. Um, you know, on the flip side of it, I'd like to see just a little bit more consistency with our game. But um, our goaltending was really good, and our packs played tremendous. So that was uh, that was a real bonus as well. That was Peter Laviolette. Floyd, we have reached on this Fireball Hot Take Friday the official Hal Gill 10-game line of demarcation, which, as Hal says, you don't ever evaluate your team until after the 10th game. So would you like to start with your evaluation or would you like you know to to hear my evaluation just for the record though 
Uh, the Predators have six wins right now on the year. The league average is five. So it's not like the Predators are just out there killing it. The Predators have 13 points. The league average is 11. Uh, the Predators have 42 goals. The league average is 30. They have given up 31 goals. The league average is 30. So I mean, that's probably pretty good. Floyd, would you like to start with your 10-game evaluation, or would you like me to start? No, go ahead. I think this team's good. I think the Predators are good. I think I don't know if it's the I don't know if it's the philosophy change from Dan Lambert. I don't know if it's just guys who all together had a great season two years ago, which led to the President's Trophy, uh, then all had bad seasons last year, are all back to having good seasons. I don't know if Kyle Turris and Ryan Ellis were really hurt last year and why that was such a problem. I know the goaltender is good, and he will continue to be good, and I don't have any worries there. The power play that was god-awful last year is decent enough, you know, between decent and good. And I think we talked last year and said, where would this team be if they just had a decent power play? And this year, it feels like it's in between decent and good. And then a lot of the guys who didn't do a whole lot last year are starting to put the puck in the net. Turris, uh, Ellis, Yarncroke last night, etc. Sissons has two shorthanded goals in his last two games. Like, all, if all those guys are clicking, I, I think this is a good team. I mean, I'm not ready to say they're going to compete for the President's Trophy, but I feel this team feels to me, I know it's early, but it's the first official marking point of being able to talk about the team, this team feels to me more like the President's Trophy team than last year's team did. Well, I, um, I mean, I, I think the change in philosophy has been, you know, has proven to be a success. I think we're seeing, you know, much more depth with our scoring, much more variety in our scoring. Uh, much you don't see giant holes. We can score in a power play. We can score shorthanded. We can score in any line. Now, it doesn't mean we're, you know, setting the world on fire with any one of them. But, I mean, we can go out just like last night and not have maybe some of your your um, highly touted players score a bunch of goals and still win, you know, by four. Um, I, I, you know, Pekka has been just outstanding. Uh I I worry a little bit about the depth of the, in the de- defense and how that's going to work out. I, I to be honest, I worry a little bit about Soros. I uh-huh. mean, I, I, only because and he has hasn't had a lot of exposure. I understand that, but the couple of games he's played in this new system, I mean, he's been manhandled pretty well. Um, so I mean, I think this. Uh, I think this team I'm going to be I'm going to be excited to see how we play against you know a series of big time scoring teams because that's kind of you know where we're headed trying to be one of those big time scoring teams and I don't know how will how we will fare out when we you know when we match up against against another team that's going to jump out there and score six goals too I look at the goal total, right? Like Arvidsson and Forsberg are two of your best players. They have five goals each, although Forsberg has done his in six games before getting hurt. But once you get there, it this is the one thing that is happening this year that at least through ten games is a change-up from last year, and that is 
The other guys that are your leading scorers in terms of scoring goals, Sissons has four. Nagosi has four, and he's obviously a stud too. Sissons, four. Benino has three. Turris has three. Yarncroke has two. Granlin has two. Like They're getting scoring across from everybody, and that felt like something they did really well on the President's Trophy team two years ago that they simply didn't do last year. Last year just felt like we were holding our hands together and praying and saying, okay, if the Jofa line doesn't score, what's going to happen? And this year it looks like they're getting goals from everybody, and that's the biggest eye-opener for me that makes me feel good. Well, that and, and the fact that the, the power play, and what, what did we keep saying last year? What if they had a league average power play? Right. Do you know what their percent on the power play is? It was 12% last year. Do you know what it is this year? No. It's 19.4. Do you know what the league average is? No. 19.7. So the Predators literally have a league average power play almost to the tenth of a point. We'll take it. <laughs> that, that's what this year's team is? And so, I, I mean, again, it's ten games, and I'm not going to get worked up. And we talked about yesterday's game earlier. I feel really, really good about the Predators through 10 games. If Hal says we have to wait until the 10th game to be able to evaluate the team, then we're sitting here after 10 games, and I would just say I think they're pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't think anybody would disagree with that. You know, I think the – I I think in my mind I'm kind of guarding against getting too – revved up too early, you know, because there is a long ways to go. And and I am still, I mean, I want to see us compete a few games in a row against, you know, the teams that we're going to have to beat in the playoffs. You mean not and Minnesota? Not Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> Whoever that may be, other than Minnesota. Uh, simply because I, I'm just wondering, and I don't know why. I don't know why I wonder this. But I wonder if these guys that are scoring against Minnesota, like last night, can do that against the better teams. Yeah, Craig Smith hasn't had a goal all year, and he scores against Minnesota. Yeah, he was sitting so, right in front of the goal and had a layup. Yeah, so I, I and I just don't know the answer to that. You know, they they very well could be able to do it. I mean, we know the other guys want- can, but the guys that that are kind of making the difference now, making the difference in in going from a. You know, a three-goal three scoring team to a six-goal scoring team are some of these down-the-line guys, and I, I'm just wondering if they'll be able to do that against the, the better teams. The one thing I would caution the fans on is last year the Predators were absolutely, like, I mean, legit last year, like legit, legit, and then Arvidsson got hurt uh, right around, I think, November 10th was when Arvidsson got hurt because it was the day before the Titan-Patriot game. And they went to Dallas. They won in overtime, and Arvidsson got hurt. And that team was never the same after Arvidsson got hurt last year. And I don't – I mean, I know Arvidsson's a really important player. But it's not like Arvidsson didn't come back last year. So I don't know what changed, you know, top to bottom. But that was November 10th. Up until November 10th, this team was on fire last year. So that just seems to me to be at least – a little bit of a difference if we're considering, you know, how good the Preds are this year or how good they're going to be or I'm just and, – and 10 games doesn't even really matter to me. It's just Hal has said it like four times on the show, so I felt like it would be worth a topic to say, okay, we've gotten to Hal Gill's 10-game assessment of the team. And I would think anybody 
anybody at least here, you know, that's that's assessing the team would be, you know, very positive about it. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know how I you mean, could be a, negative. Their fair share of crap games so far, but not anything that's over the top. Right. I mean, I don't like I said. I think if you, you know, you sit back and look at it and and compare it to some of the things that we saw last year that we kind of complained about, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't get. We can only get scoring out of the first line. Where are the other three lines? Well, now they're they're you know running around with their chests poked out. So, I mean, I think power play. Where was the power play? Got no power play. Well, you know, now we're at least working our way to average. So, you know, all those are positives. The third D pair still a mess, but other than that, I I feel pretty good. Let's take your phones, your calls. Here's the question: Hal Gill says we have to wait ten games. Until we can assess the Predators. We now have 10 games of data to decide to assess the Predators. Both Floyd and I think they're pretty good. What do you think after 10? 615-737-1025 is the phone number. 615-737-1025. Your Preds thoughts. Plus, even when they lose, is there much to be concerned about? We'll discuss that next. Jared and the GM on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. It's ESPN 1025, the game. You get five of six on the homestand as well. It's obviously still early, but important nonetheless to get those points right now. Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, you know, I, I feel like we've we've started the season playing really good hockey, but at times too, um, you know, lost some tough games, um, games that I, we felt that we sh- we could have won, and uh, so it's it's really important that you know we play well at home and and these past three games that's been that's been huge for us um and obviously now we got a we got that big game in tampa too and uh, I, I think this is a this is a good confidence um builder too i will say this floyd you talked about wanting to see the predators play better teams they will do that tomorrow night at tampa as opposed to minnesota last mm, night yes they will Minnesota is hot garbage. Don't, Let's go to your don't phone. Don't you just love to hear Pekka talk? I mean, I think it's so great. He is so positive and so into it. And just, I mean, he never says the wrong thing. You love Pecorine. I really do. You love him. Yeah, I mean, you have never. It's funny because with Mariota, like we talked about, you know, where you kind of flipped a little bit and, and all of this. And that you have never once. In the four years we've been doing this show, uttered a negative word about Pecorino. Even when he wasn't playing his best, you never doubted him. You never wanted him benched. You never thought that he couldn't do it. You have never – you love him. He's a good player and a good guy. True story on that. Great combination. Let's go to your phones. Fireball Hot Take Friday on the Preds after the Hal Gill 10-game line of demarcation. Doug is up next on a Fireball Hot Take Friday. What's up, Doug? Hey, guys. Hey, I am concerned after 10 games, and here's why. You know, the defense that Floyd's talking about, but uh, Pekka cannot stay this hot. And there are times during the season where it feels like we're, we should be behind and we're actually winning because of Pekka. Um, my bigger concern is UC Soros. If he does not get to the point where he is a superior backup, Pekka, we're going to be in a little bit of trouble because we're going to have to pay, play Pekka more, and at his age, he's going to end up getting tired or hurt. So love to hear what you guys say about that. Thank you for the call. I would start by saying this. Maybe I'm a local Bobo. I don't know. I highly doubt it. Maybe I am. I don't know. I feel like Soros, you, when I've got two years and he's played two full years in the league, 
and I've got two full years that say he starts off slow, and they've had a philosophy change, that tells me that the, he may just be somebody who starts off slow and midway through the year catches fire and is as good as any goalie when he plays in the entire league, including yours. Um, so I'm I'm not totally concerned about Soros or how much Pekka will have to play or anything like that. As far as the defense is concerned, said, you know, you can't count on Pekka to bail you out all the time. Why can't you? I mean, as long as you can score goals, I feel like Pekka might be good enough to bail you out of any other trouble you put yourself into. Well, yeah, I, I think his point was that he can't play all the games. You know, he's he's going to have to rest. You know, we've, we talked about uh, over the last two or three or four years, I don't know how long, I mean, each year he's played a couple of fewer games. And and he, I'm sure they would like to be able to play him a couple of fewer games, you know, this year. Um, and, and are they going to be able to do it if, in fact, you know, this new system is affecting um, Soros? Plus, early in the last couple of games, Peck has played really well in the first period to kind of keep him in it. Oh, last night. Last night and in the Anaheim game, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And so if he doesn't and you fall behind, maybe this, you know, the, the script flips a little bit. So I was reading from Pierre Lebrun on The Athletic, and he was writing about what's like a fair deal for Roman Yossi. And uh, he wrote this. How about this little nugget about the Roman Yossi contract? He said this. Uh, there were negotiations with the Preds back and forth during the offseason. Most recently, Moldaver, who I guess is uh, Roman Yossi's agent, met with David Poyle in Los Angeles when the Preds were in town. As far as I can tell, talks hit a snag in late August slash early September. Neither side will confirm this, but my understanding is that the Preds came up to $8.5 million a year on a long-term contract, but the Yossi camp is looking for north of $9 million in uh, average value. The top D, the top paid defenseman in the league, Eric Carlson, 11-5, Drew Doughty, 11, P.K. Subban, 9, Oliver Ekman Larson, who, by the way, could not hold Roman Yossi's jock, 8.25 million. Brent Burns, who's a really good player, but signed in 2016, 8 million. John Carlson, 8 million. Truba, who also could not hold Roman Yossi's jock, 8 million. So basically... The Predators want Roman Yossi to take essentially what I think would be at least a $2 million haircut per year. Like, that's not going to happen. Yeah, I mean, just just those names you you went off listed and and what they were making. I mean, I don't know. If I'm him, in my mind, I think I can go to to the the club and say, hey, you know, I played as well as PK. And PK is making, what did you say, nine or nine and a half? Nine. Nine. So, I mean, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen this. We've got evidence of that. And I've played as well. So I need at least, you know, nine plus. Now, I don't know how much is the plus, but, I mean, that, that seems to be pretty easy to me. Pierre Lebron. Pierre continues. He talks to like front office executives, uh, player agents, like you know, guys off the record or whatever. A front office executive said this quote: "Personally, I think Yossi is going to get over nine million a year." Let me stop there. No duh. 
Like you're not going to pay Roman Yossi less than nine million dollars a year. You're not not when Eric Carlson is getting eleven plus. You're not going to get Yossi for nine million a year. That's like when the the two weeks that Derek Carr was the highest paid quarterback in the league. That's how it works in that sport. In this sport, you can get your guys to take a little less, but not two million a year less. The front office uh, executive, unnamed, continues to say, "I don't know what's going on in that negotiation, though." David Poyle has had a pretty good record of getting his guys to take less than market value, but I don't see that happening here. A factor here is the Predators took on $9 million in P.K. Subban, and if I were Yossi, I would think I'd be worth more than him after playing with him, to be fair. There you go. Who just said that? There you go. Who just said that? (laughs) Score one for the old coach. (laughs) I mean, there is no way, no way the Predators, if David Poyle thinks he's going to get Roman Yossi for less than $9 million a year, he's just off his rocker. There's no way. I mean, at some point, there's taking a hometown discount, and then there's just being stupid. And if Roman Yossi were to take a similar contract to Oliver Ekman Larson's, then that would just be just stupid. Well, and he's not going to do that. And he took a pretty good haircut last time. Well, that was more like, you know, risk versus non-risk kind of. Right. But, I mean, he let's face it, he was playing last year and was better than PK making nine, and he was making, what, two, two and a half? Oh, yeah, like four. Four. Four, whatever it was. And he's saying, wait a minute now. (laughs) Something wrong here. Let's go back. Let's go back to your phones. Ryan is up next on the Pred 615-737-1025. Go ahead, Ryan. Hey, guys. Um, I agree with Jared. Roman's going to get either $9 million or he will be gone. But uh, my thing on this one, like a lot of fans are starting to wonder, Forsberg comes back. I think you need to reunite Jofer. And I know your theory on Kyle Turris. You know my theory on Kyle Turris. But apparently Turris is actually working out this season. And I think after last night's game, the performance, I know he had that whiff. But if we look past that, he's actually performing back like the old Kyle Turris that we traded for. And I think – go ahead. Well, thank you for your call. A couple thoughts here. Number one – I'm still not – I mean, the biggest revelation maybe through the first 10 games is that Kyle Turris isn't terrible. Uh, but I'm not ready to bank on that as a as – a, like, I'd much rather bank on DeShane and Forsberg being ballers than I would bank on the idea that Turris is going to play at this level the whole rest of the year, if that's fair. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'd, I'd be willing to bet that too. But, I mean, that's not too hard. So I, think I, the, I think the question is, in, your, in my mind, is – is this the guy you traded for? You know, and if it and if it is, then you know you you got to say oh, okay, you know we're good to go then. I mean, if we can, if now can we, you know, hope to get that all year long? I don't know about that, but that's what you're hoping. And and if that is in fact indeed the fact, then you know you should be okay. Yeah, I would say this. I I say if I'm the Predators, I keep the two lines because it's worked. And you hope Duchesne's not hurt. We'll figure all about that. But I just say keep the two lines because for no other reason, it hasn't hurt. 615-737-1025. Titans and Bucks on Sunday. Coming up next, they never got a chance to draft him. But they will play him for the second time ever and maybe the last time ever on Sunday. And it's Jameis Winston. And is Jameis Winston any good And it's an answer I don't have the answer to, or it's a question I don't have the answer to. Floyd 
We'll talk it next. And how worried are we about Jameis Winston? 615-737-1025. Jared, the GM. It's ESPN 1025. The game.